0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Overwatch Now, your one-stop shop for all of the modern and uh, current things going on in the world of Overwatch. I am your host, Dylan the Dude, and joining me as always is my wonderful master's co-host, the music man. Say hello.
1: Hello, everybody, and just a quick reminder, uh, we will be discussing... All of the things that happened both in casual Overwatch and competitive Overwatch. And there's a lot of things that happened just in the past couple of weeks alone. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bumpy ride.
0: But before that, I would like to say thank you to Dude Media Network for uh, allowing us to produce our show here. And uh, to put it out for all of you fans. Uh, other shows to look out for are Breaking the Lore, uh, starring uh, Sarah and Nissa, which is also on the same Network. They are great at what they do and they dive into some pretty interesting topics as well so don't forget to check them out as well as some future upcoming shows yet to be announced stay tuned to the dude media twitter and here at podbean to find out more and last but not least before we get into uh the show here proper congratulations dude uh we both play competitive overwatch here like most of you listeners probably do and music here finally hit masters on uh, tank
1: yep And I've always prided myself on being an off tank, but this was actually an interesting experience because I did a little bit of both main tanking and off tanking. But it's such a surreal experience, I've been telling Dylan here that just a couple weeks ago, I've been like heart-stuck in plants for ongoing like 10 months. And even when Dylan first met me, he remembered the time where I was heart-stuck in gold. And I started from literally the bottom of the barrel. So being up here in Masters, it's just a wonderful experience. And I really appreciate everybody that supported me to help me become good enough at the game to reach this level.
0: From what I had seen of your streams and seeing you play, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, the play of the game there to Zarya, who you played in a (laughs) lot of those games. So Zarya carried your... uh, you're a little behind the Masters. That's the 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 gimmick I'm going with here. But no, seriously, dude. Congratulations. Um, It is a big accomplishment. Yeah. Top 4% or 5%, I think, of Overwatch players are in Masters and above. So congratulations. But speaking of the game of Overwatch, let's get into our first bit of the show here, which is actually something we can talk about. Because there is a new experimental card here in the world of Overwatch. And it's a pretty sizable one that I'm gonna actually uh, say I feel a lot of it came from this very recent or uh, uh, what will now have been last week's uh, hero band system so Blizzard does do the hero band system and not many of us really are a hundred percent sure of why they do the hero bands they do for the competitive ladder well from my perspective the ones that they did last week were directly to test the strength, flexibility, and validity of certain heroes. And those are the heroes that we saw get changes in this experimental patch. Music, are you ready to go down some of these and uh, see what awaits us?
1: sure. (laughs) Let's go.
0: Alright, so the first change we have here, and I think it might be, in my opinion, the overall uh, most changes that's done in this experimental patch, ...is to one of the most struggling hitscan characters in the game, in my opinion, and that is Ash. Oh, now, yeah. Now, Ash was in the patch, or in the bans last week, the only real hitscan slash Farrah counter that you really had. And I believe that was on purpose to kind of test to see if she would still be played uh, in lieu of McCree, in lieu of Widow, in lieu of these other hitscan heroes. Which, so, to be fair, some...
1: which, to be fair, she did get a lot of play-, play time. However, I do need to say that she's not the only Pharah counter. We do have Bastion, but Bastion is such a niche hero that you really don't see him outside of pirate ship comps.
0: Well, and he's also outed by range. I mean, if your Pharah is playing uh, far enough away... Yeah, you probably won't be directly countering the Bastion, but the Bastion won't be directly countering you either. It's, uh... Bastion more worked as just an awkward deterrent for Farah that was easily counterable by other heroes, which is um, fair. Yeah, but the biggest one was Diva being gone, which is why I think Farah oh, yeah. had a lot of free reign. However, we're not talking about Diva. We're gonna be talking about Ash's Viper, her main weapon. Yep. So the ammo uh, size has been increased from twelve to fifteen, which I do believe. Especially with Ash, who's like one of the only character that reloads individually. Like, individual ammo reloads. I think that's huge. That's wonderfully helpful. Because there'd be many times when you'd be like, you know, just in the middle of a firefight. You'd lose, you know, or you'd be shooting and everything. You're down to like one or two shots. And then, say, a Genji comes in on you and you try to shoot him. The Genji just jumps around you and just messes with you while you're trying to reload. And then stop reloading to shoot one shot and uh so it's very awkward so i think that extra ammo boost will definitely do a little bit uh you think similar or do you think it's not that big i
1: think the i think the ammo increase is really necessary for what ash is trying to accomplish so to speak because with the 12 ammo while it's a nice round number it's very awkward use, like you said However, I don't think the awkwardness is in the ammo count per se. I think it's in the reload mechanic. Because, like you said, Ash reloads every individual bullet into her rifle. And that does take some time. And that reload can be cancelled by either aiming down sights or taking another shot. Or using another one of your abilities as Ash. So, I think it's something that they just need to... something with the reload mechanic and the reload speed to be able to utilize Ash just a tad bit better, but who knows, we might see something about the reload animation or reloading stuff in this experimental car, which what I'm seeing right now is that according to the note, we can start reloading much more quickly after firing a scoped shot. Now, I'm not sure the exact ramifications or exact uh, specifications of what that means, because as far as I'm aware, you can reload basically whenever. Whether you're scoped in or not.
0: Yeah, but with with what I'm seeing here in the patch notes, so I'm going to mix all of these together. Um, shots no longer queue up for the next shot if pressed slightly before the recovery is finished. Unscoped shots to reach maximum spread increase from 4 to 6. Unscoped shots can now be fired much more quickly after firing a scope shot, And like you said, you can now start reloading much more quickly after firing a scope shot. These four changes together. All, I think, are more designed to make Ash feel like a little more of a quick hero. Or a little bit more of a quick um, shot. Because the way that Ash was designed was as kind of a bolt-action rifle. Not one that's like, you know, super hard to manage. You know, has a quicker fire rate than Widow um, a quicker fire rate than a non-Fan the Hammering McCree, but still takes time to fire. I think this, these changes were done to kind of make her feel like she can get more shots off than she previously could, uh, granted with a little less, uh, accuracy because of that spread increase, but I believe this is more, uh, kind of made more to make her feel better in the immediate fight. Because if you played Ash before, there'd be times when you just feel like you're not getting shield damage, or like shields are completely invalidating you um, because literally your firing rate just didn't make a lot of sense in a lot of ways to like why would you pick Ash over McCree or Widow when their shots do more damage and yours just feel like they're not getting as much value. Um, I do believe these changes are going to do nothing but help Ash, but to what extent, I'm not really sure myself.
1: I mean, the other buff that I can see Ash kind of needing at this point is a bit of a damage buff. Like, not a major one, but like enough to where hitting a headshot when you're scoped in on Ash deals 200 da- damage. Because as of right now, needing to. Two tap people, as far as far as um, scoped in headshots as Ash, you can do that same effect as McCree, and that also makes Ash kind of useless. So in that vein, like Ash is supposed to be that mid-range head scan sniper, so I don't want her damage to overpower Widows, but at the same time, as a sniper, I still expect to see those headshots dealing. Enough damage to kill anybody who's A, out of position, and B, weak as far as health wise, like 200 most. <laughs> so, I think that's the next thing that they can do to Ash, but what they have now will help Ash be feel a little bit more consistent as a mid range hit scan sniper.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of something that's not a mid range hero, more than something that's in the brawl, is just one small I don't even like to consider it a buff or a nerf, I like to consider it just a quality of life change here. For Genji, who uh, has his uh, secondary fire for a shuriken, that is the spreaded one, that is the uh, three at once instead of the, uh, you know, one after another. The recovery for that has been lowered from seven point uh, seven five seconds to .65 seconds. Which I think, honestly, that is just enough of a quality of life change to make him match up with other heroes. Um, I feel like in a lot of cases, if your aim was good, there was no reason to really use the secondary fire, just because, you know, you'd hit one shuriken out of three, most likely, at that point. Uh, Unless you were doing it on a tank and close enough. Uh, I feel like this just lets you kind of use it more indiscriminately, and I think that's, you know, in a team fight, like in, like say on first point, uh, Hanamura, It just feels better to be able to do that instead of having to like just strictly use the primary fire because you feel like you're getting more value out of that. Uh, I think this is a fine change. I think it's one that won't uh, make Genji the top tier, but I don't think it's gonna really drop his stock any. I think it's just a nice, solid, middle-of-the-road quality life change.
1: Well, another thing about the right-click for Genji's Shuriken is that, yes, it does three in a horizontal layout, kind of like a cone. method type thing, but at the same time, that also makes it difficult to run away from and the fact that they lowered the recovery by a tenth of a second does up the DPS from just right-clicking with Genji, so while you call it a quality of life change, I do think that this is a significant enough change to be considered a buff. Like you said, it's not going to be a major buff that will make Genji the best Projectile flanking DPS that there is, but it's still a significant one to say the least.
0: Well, let's look at now a character that has been changed enough that I think Genji might have a little bit more fun against this character now. So, oh, oh,
1: oh. Everybody's, May. everybody's favorite hero that they just love to hate on.
0: So, here is the biggest change. There are two changes, both to her uh, primary weapon and Jeez, I think this might be probably the hardest nerf I have ever seen to Mei. Even more uh, harsh than the uh, time increase on her wall. Uh, so here we are. The endothermic blaster, the primary fire here. Well, I mean, it uh, it's actually just the entire thing, but I, it's going to be most felt in the primary fire. Maximum ammo for Mei's weapon has been reduced from 200... To 120. That means, for those of you who don't know, that the holding and clicking uh, your primary fire, which uh, which drains your ammo pretty rapidly, now you really can't miss it. You can't afford to miss it. You can't just hold it and freeze a target indefinitely. You really have to pick and choose what targets you're freezing and you know, you have to be right on it to have that happen. Now, to offset this, the ammo cost for the secondary fire, that's the icicle, um, instead of doing 20 to shoot that uh, like it was before, it now only takes 10 of your ammo to do that, which, again, scales well with the maximum ammo reduction, but that ammo reduction music, holy cow, what what are you gonna do now, Esme? I mean, you are gonna... It's going to be a lot harder to deal with tanks. It's going to be a lot harder to deal with multiple DPS diving in on you. Like, what do you think about this? This is uh, probably, to me, either the most significant or uh, the second most significant change in this patch.
1: Well, one of the things that people have been complaining about with Mei is the fact that she is too easy to use. And now... May players need to be more specific as to who they're going to freeze because like you said before, they can just hold down left click and keep on freezing tanks, they can keep on freezing DPS, supports, anybody that's within range of that freeze. To have this maximum ammo count reduced to 120, that basically means that May needs to switch up their playstyle to focus only. squishy heroes only the flanking DPS that are caught out of positions only the supports that flanking May's can can pick off so may i think right as of right now is not going to be focusing as much on the tanks as they will be on people who are out of position which i think is a better change for may makes it less annoying as a tank player hello how you doing but at the same time, if you're a DPS player that doesn't really know how to get in and out fast, or doesn't really, or a support player that isn't keeping up with their team, you're gonna get picked off more often than you want to be.
0: Well, now don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is a, a nerf that is killing May because May still does have one of the quicker reload times in the game for her weapon. Um, she still will be able to reload at the same rate she has, which. You still are going to get frozen, don't get me wrong. It is, like, if you freeze a target and reload, you will be able to continue freezing the target uh, towards the end of their freezing uh, time. So you can do that, don't get me wrong. And I agree with you, the uh, uh, freezing-only split-off or out-of-position targets, you are still Mei, you still have your wall, you can still induce that. Uh, Good Mei players are still going to be able to get the most value, out of May, simply by using that manipulation of the battlefield. However, you're not going to be able to uh, spray and pray, as I like to call it, where you just go, "Oh no, there's heroes around me. Let me just hold primary fire and just move back and forth, back and forth, to hope yeah. I can survive this." Yeah, you got to be gonna a happen. lot more. Me- you got to be a lot more methodical, and I think you might have to be a bit more uh, choosy in your team comps because I think uh, now that this buff is going to happen to May, I don't know if that means you can still play some of the same DPS picks along with Mei. I do think McCree is going to be probably the number one character you're going to have to play with Mei, just for his damage output and ability to kind of continue the CC train. Um, like if, you know, you can't freeze a, a character completely or you need help freezing the character, uh, McCree's flashbang will definitely help with that. Um, as for other characters, though, I think really that's what you're going to have to do. I, I can't think of other heroes that are going to be able to get damage out quick enough to really help or take advantage of that. I don't know. We're still early into this experimental patch. Uh, we haven't played too much of it yet, but this uh, this is probably one of the more significant changes throughout this patch. Absolutely. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna hit me a bit. But another thing that is happening in this patch, and you can definitely see the reflection of last week's bans on this hero is we had another change and i wouldn't say this is a new change because we've had this change actually happen a couple of times throughout the history of overwatch and this is the uh the buff slash nerf to pharaoh so pharaoh's explosion damage which is the splash damage that you get from shooting a rocket near a character not hitting but near a character has been increased from 65 to 80 now, in past uh, patches, this actually was what it was until they reduced it to buff the impact damage. Well now, the impact damage has been decreased from 55 to 40. So, with Farah, this change has been reverted and happened and reverted and happened a couple of times since launch. I personally believe this is the right course of action for Farah. I think this is the way that Farah should be played uh, rather than for um, specifically uh, impact damage. I do believe that you get much more value, especially with a lot of smaller, quicker, uh, harder to hit heroes. Uh, I believe the explosion damage is probably what needs to be higher, especially across all levels of play. Uh, I don't know, Music. Do you think that this is the way that Farah should be balanced, or do you think Farah should be? Uh, skill-shot-heavy impact damage prioritized uh, like it was previously.
1: That's the part that I'm not sure, because while I do agree that having the bigger explosive damage is beneficial for Pharah as far as her lifestyle, logistically, it doesn't make sense that the splash damage deals more damage than impact damage. Like I think that's still a balance that needs to be around with so, so to speak so i'm not sure if i agree with the change to the impact damage especially against shields because there's so few shield buster dps heroes that i think Farah has the potential of being one of them but with the impact damage being so low i'm not sure if that's i'm not sure if that's going to mean much as far as breaking shields because
0: well you you know people that say Farrah is a uh... A shield buster, those are the same people that go, oh, well, if you're shooting at a shield with Pharaoh, what are you doing? You are a flying hero. You should get behind and start shooting. You should be doing stuff like that. I understand where you're coming from, but I do believe that since the things that you're going to see Pharaoh in most often anyway are dive and kind of more spread out DPS comps, uh, pharmacy as well, um, I feel like this just feels better for the player. And I did play a bit of Farah at a lower rank during that patch. It did feel a little tricky at times when, say, you know, uh, Torbjorns, Tracers, um, just smaller heroes that I couldn't really direct hit that often. Uh, It did feel a little, it did feel bad, (laughs) really, not being able to get them uh, as easily. So I do agree with you. Fera does have potential for other uses, potential as a shield breaker, potential as a high damage dealing character. But personally, I'm fine with this change. I it might even get reverted again, as it has several times throughout the game's lifespan. So I'm not really sure if it's gonna stick or not.
1: Well, only time will tell.
0: Only time will tell. And you know what? Did not stick. Apparently, according to this experimental patch. The, the Reinhardt. On my boy, my boy Reinhardt. Now. Why do you gotta do this to me, Overwatch? Why do you have to take the one thing that my hero finally got, which is a very, very small thing in the grand scheme of Overwatch? The steadfast passive knockback resistance is reduced from 50 back down to 30. Now, is that really the reason Reinhardt is being played constantly here? No! Is that really the reason why you're playing Reinhardt? Of course not we are playing Reinhardt because he has the highest barrier health. He is the most um, tempo-oriented main tank that you have, and many people say that he's the only main tank you can play now. Uh, It's not because of his knockback resistance. That knockback resistance is the only thing that makes him feel fun to play on certain maps. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nothing feels worse than being a main tank just being CC'd out of the wazoo. But, if you're really trying to take away some of the impact that stuns have on the game, why are you nerfing the only main tank to the point of where CCs feel even worse? I don't understand this change, and I really hope this one doesn't go through, because this is such an annoying, aggravating mindset, in my opinion, for Blizzard to take on main tanks, on your only real main tank now. (sighs)
1: Ugh. Now, I understand your frustration because I spent a lot of time climbing with Reinhardt and it sucks being CC'd to all hell as a main tank player. At the same time, going all the way back from 30%, I don't think that's the right move because as a Reinhardt player, to me it almost doesn't make sense that I'm seeing my teammates all the way up in the moon, I can't do anything about it. Because I'm over here stuck on the ground, weighing half a freaking ton with all my armor, no armor, and nothing happened to uh, to me. So it's like
0: You're your hard shielding your Ana or your Zen. That's really what you're doing is you're hard shielding a support in that position, and you're just sitting there like you know, you know, little Zen uh, Zenyatta. You have more mobility than I do right now. Be happy I, with yeah, that yeah but I'm I just sitting here fun, shielding you.
1: Like then, given the past hero pools. They're gonna have a Doomfist anyways. They're gonna be killing the back of Jesus because... Christ, you're right. Yeah, so so while well, having that nice big buffy shield in front of me that is supposed to protect my entire team, but instead is only gonna be protecting my support line that's gonna be dope anyways. I don't know, it's like what do you value more? The three people up in the air that really can't do much? Or the two supports that are just gonna die anyways, no matter what
0: all right, you heard music, everybody. Uh, all Reinhardts, just play Doomfist. Um, it is your only chance of not being CC'd. Uh, let's go with it, everybody. Come on. Oh, <laughs> Doomfist for <from> main tank, 2020.
1: <laughs> or, or in that case, uh, just make sure that your Doomfist recognizes that their supports are going to be alone in a 50% knockback reduction or knockback resistant Reinhardt player. Anyways, you know
0: I, I'm really happy that there's the hero limit does exist because could you imagine a comp game on say well or something where your the other team could have two Doomfists and just <laughs> and with with a steadfast nerf just like uppercut uppercut punch punch slam slam uppercut uppercut that'd be the worst feeling for the Reinhardt holy cow yeah anyway anyway. That is all the changes in this uh, experimental patch. A lot of it is definitely uh, tapered from last uh, last week's uh, bans. Which, admittedly, on the Reinhardt one, I can see the steadfast uh, knockback resistance really being less of a straight-up nerf to him and more of a buff to characters like Pharah, who I'm pretty sure got a ton of play during that time and had issue booping Reinhardt meaningfully. Um... Same thing with other characters, like maybe Ash, you know, the coach gun maybe not being as effective, but I still personally uh, think that's the wrong change for Reinhardt, but we'll see where things go. Um, Speaking of which, though, speaking of CCs and other things, we've got some hero pools and some some bands this week, don't we, Music?
1: Yeah, so we talked a lot about last week's hero pool, and to clear everybody's minds who's listening to this and thinking, okay, what are last week's hero pool? I don't play Overwatch. What are you talking about? Last week's hero pool was a ban to D.Va, my one near one trick off tank, uh, to McCree, Soldier 76, Sombra, Widowmaker, and to Baptiste. Now, like we mentioned before, all of this is done to really help bring out the other heroes in the pool, like Pharah, like Ash, and to some degree, even like, Gen- like Genji. This week, however, Blizzard, show some consistency, please! Because we went from having a 6 Hero Pool Band last week to a 3 Hero Pool Band this week, with Hammond being out of rotation, Hon- no. Hanzo being out of rotation, and Mercy being out of rotation. So, judging by that, no, you have some thoughts about Hammond being out of rotation this week.
0: Look, I think Hammond is a fine hero. Hammond is not a problem. Hammond is not overwhelming the meta. I mean, even an owl this last week, he had a fourteen point four percent pick rate, which was less than every other main tank besides Road, or every other tank besides Roadhog and Winston. It. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I didn't know Wrecking Ball was that much of a problem. Um, maybe it is. Maybe it's just for fairness sake of having everything be banned at some point. I'm not really that sure. Um, I do believe that he's not the most impactful ban this week. Um, but he's just a, a kind of a I guess you had to do it sort of ban at some point. But I don't know.
1: Well. It's weird to me. One thing that I will say is that with Hamid being out of the picture, it will make stalling on those crucial last points that much harder. Because when it comes to stall, you need the high mobility heroes. You need the naturally self-sustaining heroes to be able to just trickle in and try to burn as much time as possible at the end, even if it is inevitable that your opponents will be capturing the point anyways. But, there's always that turnaround that running a stall comp can bring. So, stalling is going to be difficult, but you're going to be even more disappointed because in OWL, there was actually a special guest to help with the hero pool for this upcoming weekend, which we'll get to in a moment. And the special guest, Nori, Zoe's cat, banned the following heroes. Brig, McCree, May. Hammond.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. So, let's go with, um... (sighs) Okay, so let's go with it this way. Um, I actually am not a... So, with the Week 9 Band Heroes in comp, Wrecking Ball again, um... Alright, not-not-in, uh, Wrecking Ball and comp and in Owl. I don't think that will be a huge change. As a matter of fact, I think Orisa is just going to be seen a lot more in both, because, I mean, Arisa was already a lot more often played last week in Owl, and I would assume probably a bit more in, uh, in comp for being just a more flexible main tank. Um, I don't think that's a big issue. Now, The DPS for both, I mean, Hanzo has always had his kind of niche uses. Uh, I wouldn't say Hanzo is meta by any means, but he is one of the more well-liked heroes to play in Ladder. So I think that's gonna be a little bit of an issue. Um, However, looking at the banned DPS heroes in Owl, holy crap, McCree and Mei, the two heroes that defined the Reinhardt diva or Reinhardt Orisa meta at the beginning of Overwatch League. I'm, inc- I'm incredibly intrigued to see what the DPS picks will be now coming up with this.
1: And, what? uh... Yeah. Well, that thing... You bring that up and it's like, if anything, I think we're gonna be seeing some more hackfist cops, hackfist diving cops, out of teams like the Houston Outlaws or even the Parents Colonels or New York XL. Basically teams that excel best, pardon the for dive style composition, I think we're gonna be seeing them run a lot more hackfist dive, really, because there's really no CC to punish them, so why not?
0: And especially not a lot of CC to punish them with the final hero band for, of course, Brigitte, Brigitta, uh,
1: <laughs> Brigitte Lindholm.
0: You know, I really, if, if Blizzard wanted to kill stuns, I think this is the hero band pool that they would need to do. Just because I feel like this is the most impactful for getting rid of those CCs. Um, I'm going to call it right now. I think we're going to see more Dive. Like you said, Hackfist, uh, Winston Diva. I think we're honestly going to see a lot more of that coming up with this pool because it just really tells you to do it. It just really tells you to go for it. I mean, unless you want to try, like, Double Sniper or Grav Dragon or a few other weird niche ones. Um, I think this is going to be a fine, fine hero band for this weekend. Um Speaking of which, do we want to get into that now, or do we have anything else to cover in the hero pools here?
1: No, that's pretty much it. I think we covered everything, so let's move on. Sorry, to- Mercy Mains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so let's move on over to this weekend's matchup. We're going to be seeing a lot of newer teams. I say newer because we haven't really seen them in a while, so we're, we should be expecting to see them this upcoming weekend, for example, on... Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be seeing Dallas, which we haven't seen in a while. Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern, we'll be seeing Houston, which we haven't seen in a while. And then following that is Philly, who we haven't seen in a while. So we're going to be seeing new-ish teams, I'm going to say, like that. And why don't we kick things off with Saturday at 4 a.m. Because, you know, Chinese, Korean time, with Shanghai Dragons versus Hangzhou Spark. The first thing I'm going to say about Sparks is, dang it, Rhea, why you gotta be so much of a beater?
0: Yeah, that was very rough to watch last week. Um, I feel like we're going to get a lot of Chinese uh, mirror matches. Like The Chinese teams are going to perform mostly against each other early on in the day uh, for these... For these, uh, b- 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 what these early, like early, early morning games for us Americans. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a lot of repeats here, I feel, in the next few weeks of Shanghai, Hangzhou, Chengdu, and Guangzhou. However, I am very excited to see Shanghai and Hangzhou uh, play because I think they both have very similar problems as a team, uh, as teams, and that them playing again this weekend is going to really uh, refine, like, I don't think this game between them this weekend is going to be an, um, a must win for either team, but I think that this game that they're going to have this weekend is going to be a we need to learn before we go and fight uh, western teams or like even the Seoul Dynasty and other teams in their division I think they need to play more games against each other having similar problems so that they can learn how to overcome those problems for when they finally start playing the better teams because i don't think shanghai or hangzhou are bad but i think they look bad recently because of their unfamiliarity with just how overwatch is currently working in the overwatch league
1: yeah now As far as predictions for who's going to win this matchup, I'm actually going to give the edge, the very slight edge, over to Shanghai, unless Rhea just picks up his own slack. If Rhea can just play at his best without being a major league leader, then
0: Hangzhou would win. But if they have to put in who was and as the off-paying player against Shanghai, then Shanghai will win. Uh, I, I believe that Hangzhou is a great team, but I believe they're just not going to overtake Shanghai. And Shanghai has some of the best players in the league now. Um, I think they need to work to get it all to come together. But I am going to give Shanghai the benefit here as well.
1: Yeah. But, the next couple of teams, this is going to be a really fun match to watch. It is the Chengdu Hunter versus the Guangzhou Chard. Now Guangzhou did have a rough start, I believe they're 1 and 1 in the league, but Chengdu, just just leave everything up to Jinbu and Chengdu would win. Pocket Jinbu, that's all that you need to do.
0: So here's my hot take on this. Uh, I think Chengdu is the best Chinese team um, in Overwatch. I believe Chengdu is a top 10 team in the Overwatch League. However, I am going to give them a little bit of flack here because I believe that Chengdu, while they have some of the most promising players from Chinese contenders, uh, I do believe they kind of need to come up with some more... uh, They need to be the creative shangdu that we have seen in the past because if they are gonna they are gonna have to run meta uh from time to time here in the overwatch league with um just tank compositions uh support compositions and i think they can do that absolutely fine but they in a world now where every overwatch team is kind of trying to find their footing every week I think it will be safe to say that Shangdu can practice one or two comps and coast on their natural skill. I don't think they should, though. I think Shangdu is one of the most creative teams out there, and whether they can or cannot run Wrecking Ball, uh, I believe Emang is the best Wrecking Ball in the league and one of the best Arisas in the league. So I think he will be a mainstay for the team. Uh, however, your DPS lineup, Bacon um I mean, I think you're just going to need to find places for these players in a creative way, because I don't think... You have so much talent, but you're not going to be able to play meta as well as every other team in the league, so you're going to need to really craft some strategies to take advantage of these incredibly talented, yet uh, very niche players that you have. I'm going to give Chengdu the edge here, uh, a 3-0 even, because Guangzhou just has some growing pains with a mixed roster. Um, but I do think Shangdu is going to take this week.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I just want to give it a 3-0. I would give it the 3-1 because the second match that Zhao had, they did step up. They did outperform their opponent. I believe it was the Spark, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double-check Yes, yes.
0: I, I believe you are correct there.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, so... Uh, so as long as Wong Zhao is able to play to their strong suits similar to uh, Chengdu, they should be able to put up a fighting chance. However, Balzaria is a thing. Baldiva is definitely a thing with Chengdu. And those are the tank duos that really play towards their strength, even if. Regardless of whether or not Elsa is on the, that off tank rolls, just Amang is a naturally gifted ball player, and as long as they play some sort of ball-style comp, then I just think that Shangdu is going to take this, no matter what, and as far as playing Bacon Jack, that really depends on the map, because Bacon Jack is really known for his Widowmaker play, so if they do play Which- a map that has the long line besides four widows to pop off then yeah play bacon jack but every other time play to your strength
0: really. well i and, and double sniper might be a comp we see this week with mccree and uh may yeah. band we don't know but one thing that we do know is that the next matchup we're going to discuss here is the <laughs> toronto defiant versus the washington justice now I think both of these teams, personally, are very happy with the bands this week. Um, (laughs) Being that now they can kind of play whatever they want. Um, Toronto really likes that dive, that Sombra, the Sombra compositions, those uh, Widow compositions. Washington with Stratus and Corey do not want to play May. (laughs) So I I believe that this is going to be a very... uh, relaxing a very free feeling game for both of them um, I'm honestly going to say that this matchup though is gonna be a battle of the tanks I think uh, I think both teams have kind of underrated main tank players um, I think I'm gonna give the edge to Toronto ultimately for just being a little bit more flexible than the justice uh, hero pool wise. But I think this is gonna be a game five. I I don't think this is gonna be a very close game. This is probably gonna be one of the more enjoyable games to watch uh, this weekend, in my opinion.
1: I think it's gonna be a close game too. However, I'm going to give the edge to Washington justice, mainly because of Elibode. Like, yes, Nevix is a stellar offense player for Toronto, but at the same time, if you look at Elibode and what he needs to do as a diva player or as a Sigma player, player. Even he gets it done. So I'm not relying so much on Corey and Stratus popping off in their matchup. I'm more relying on Elevote popping, popping off. And if he can do that, then Washington takes a victory. Three to two. All right.
0: Uh, well, after that, we get yes.
1: Uh, but- but yeah, no, after the Toronto versus Washington, we have Los Angeles Gladiators versus the Dallas Fuel. And after how the Gladiators performed last weekend, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm going to join the Gladiators, but I think they're going to be at Dallas 3-1 to one this week.
0: So that's actually something I'm going to have to say is a very weird one, is that um, the Gladiators last week had a... Very strong performance against the Shock. That was a very dominating um, matchup. However, they also lost 3 0 versus Soul, and don't get me wrong, Soul did well last week, but I don't think Soul. I-, I still believe Soul is a little bit overrated. I think Soul did very well last week, and I think the win against the Gladiators was huge for them, but they beat the Valiant, who had a lot of issues at the time but the Valiant also beat San Francisco so like the shock so I don't know if they're if the Gladiators performances last week were them being really really good and I do believe they are a top uh seven team in the league and I do believe there's a lot for that team to show us for that squad to show us I think they have the best um off tank in the league in space I will die by that statement and I will also die by the statement that I think they have the most experienced and the overall pound-for-pound pound best support duo in the league, with Paintbrush being an extraordinary substitute if they ever need him. Yeah, I no. think the biggest...
1: Yeah, Yeah. no. Uh, Even on the Dallas side, as far as support line-up, their best support is Crimson and Closer, And while they are amazing supports, I am so proud of how they perform, mainly because I have Crimson in my fantasy league. I just think that
0: they're just going to get Raffles topped by the see. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that Dallas Fuel actually have a better DPS line. And that's hard to say with Bird Ring on the uh, Bird Ring and Mirror on the Florida, or not on the Florida, on the (laughs) Jumping on the Florida Mayhem right here. Uh, On Los Angeles Gladiators, here's the thing. Doa and Decay are so... So excellent! They are so much uh, so far above and beyond many other DPS players in the league. I think this is—I will give you this. I do think Gladiators are going to come ahead three-one, but I think Dallas is going to really put up a fight here. I, I believe this is going to be Dallas's time to shine in some of these games. I think it's going to be very close at times. I'm—I'm I'm not going to say. I'm going to do a soft prediction of the Gladiators winning this, but I will not be surprised if Dallas does. I think Dallas can definitely pull this out.
1: I mean, you know me, I've always been a guy who believes in comebacks, so if Dallas does pull out a victory here, I'm just going to be with the biggest smile on my face despite being a Houston fanboy, but yeah, no, if Dallas wins, it's a really hard-earned win for them, considering the lineup that they have going against. But. Moving on now, we're going to be talking about the other Los Angeles team, the LA Valiant, against the recently uh, struggling San Francisco Shock. Now, to be fair, part of the reason why the Sharks struggled, at least in my opinion, is because Lucio was banned last weekend. And Smurf
0: is... Smurf struggles. Smurf is really struggling.
1: Smurf, Smurf struggles just generally as a main tank player, but without the Lucio, we saw a little bit of struggle from Super as well. And Super is their star main tank player. So now that Lucio's back, I do think that San Francisco is going to feel a little bit better with what they're going to be playing, whether it's Dive or prime Deed. But whatever it is that they're gonna be playing, I think they're gonna look better now that Lucio is back.
0: I'm giving this a 3-0 to the, uh, can I do 4-0? Can I do 5-0? Can I do 6-0? I think this is an exceptional um, San Francisco shock victory. I do not believe LA, uh, the Valiant, while they do have some very good players, and I do really like the Valiant, I just do not believe that with Lucio available and Reinhardt available and Meta, that the shock are gonna lose this because I think Sinatra. I think May being banned is gonna make every DPS player in the league feel that much better because they're gonna feel so much more free. And while um, KSP and KSF, uh, I am saying that right, uh, KSP and KSF. Yes. yes. While they teams. are, gr- while they are great DPS players, they were never really hampered as badly by May because they like to play a lot of uh, kind of longer range heroes. I feel like they, the benefits of the hero bands are going to be much more beneficial to San Francisco than the Valiant this week. I'm going to predict an easy 3-0, um, maybe a 4-0, maybe? No, it, it, if it's there's, only up to
1: 3, it's only up to 3. Uh,
0: yeah, they might draw a map. That's what I'm just going to say, they might draw a map. But uh, I, I do believe San Francisco is going to win this pretty handily.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Now that Lucio is back and Voss is able to properly, quote-unquote, enable Super as a Reinhardt player, I do think that Shock is going to take this victory, especially since their DPS can also pop off whenever and having Architect on the end, oh, I'm sweating just thinking about it. <laughs> but-,
0: but speaking of which, we have, uh, just to move on a little bit now, that is our highlight match of April 4th of Saturday. Um... We do get repeats um, Sunday morning at 4 and 6 of Shangdu versus Shanghai and Guangzhou versus Hangzhou. We did talk about those last week. Um, let's do a little bit of a quick prediction here, though. Who do you got for Shangdu and Shanghai?
1: I mean, last time these two met up, I said that um, it was going to be a close fight. It was long. I think Shangdu is going to win it again, unless... unless Shanghai is going to actually, like, step up to the plate and adapt to the playstyle of He Chengdu, because while Chengdu does have the more creative side with their compositions, Shanghai, I believe, is more strategic, and I think that as long as they recognize when Chengdu are going to, like, pull off their moves, so to speak, like, if they catch a Meng out of position, out of position. Granted, they don't have any CC aside from Doomfist Punch or Ferris Blue or stuff like that. But if they can catch someone out of position and keep them out of position, then Shanghai would have the advantage. But given the current miracle, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So I'm going to give the win over to Chengdu.
0: Well, I'm going to echo both of these games. I think they're going to be just like last week when these exact games happened. I think Chengdu is going to beat Shanghai maybe 3-1 instead of 3-0, and I think Guangzhou is going to beat Hangzhou 3-1 as well. I don't think that's going to go into five games again. Um, I just believe that these teams all need to really work out their kinks now before they start playing the Paris Eternal, the New York XL, the Seoul Dynasties, the the other teams, uh, the uh, Philadelphia Fusions. I think they need to iron out these kinks that they have now so that they can be better prepared for those teams. I think we're going to get very similar results to last week.
1: I can definitely see that. Now, the picking of teams that um, we're comparing these two, it's like, so far the teams that we haven't really seen played in a bit are New York and Vancouver Titans. And I'm, This is where I'm going to take a quick pause from the schedule out, outline because one of the things that, um, is going on that are causing these teams to just not play so far this season is the infection that we discussed last time on Overwatch. Now New York is on a total lockdown and because of that New York XL, the org, has basically been trying to comply with the recommendations of of of, the CDC to just stay stay at home, so to speak, which doesn't really help out with the online play because everybody needs to be on the same connection so that we don't have to worry that much about black compensation. And Vancouver, on the other hand, they just recently moved to North Korea. So given that the whole world is in disarray because of this infection, I don't know if we're going to be seeing them uh, uh, anytime soon.
0: Well, you you will, you will are currently scheduled to see Vancouver uh, play next week. Next week, they are going to be performing uh, against some other teams in their region. Uh, Vancouver next week is going to take on the Guangzhou Charge and the Chengdu Hunters uh, next weekend. So we will okay. see them. I, I just don't believe it's going to be um, as often as we would like to see them here in the West.
1: But, again, it's like there's really nothing much that anybody can can do. Like, Overwatch League has said it themselves time and time again that safety of their players, of their employees, and of the fans are their top priorities. So, while it sucks that we won't be seeing a lot of teams or a few of these teams often, if at all, I still think that it's for the better considering what's been going on in the world. Now that... uh, well, now that we've gone over that for a bit, let's move on to the Sunday matches after four p.m. We're starting at four p.m. Eastern with my team, the Houston Outlaws, versus Paris Eternal. I'm just gonna say it right now: Houston wins. I know that I say that every time Houston goes up against a team, but this time I wholeheartedly believe, and I believe it. they have the better. DPS lineup, they know how to spy check against the... Tyros. No, they really do! You're laughing right now! <laughs> but there's a reason why... Paris, there's a reason why Houston won 3-0 against Paris the last, no, last time they played. They have the better Sobra, they have the better uh, Tracer, they have, they have the better Moomba even! Like, have you seen Moomba's play on Winston against Paris that third map? Like, I really think Houston is going to take this.
0: All right. Uh, so <clears throat> let's uh, let's look a little bit at this. Let's um, analyze this a little bit more thoroughly. Music. So week five Overwatch League hero pool. All right. All right. All right. All right. So who was banned in that? Hmm. 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 McCree. We- McCree. Widow. Rhine. And Moira. That was the hero bands during that week. I do believe that kind of benefited the Hackfist uh, style that Houston was starting to to create at that time. I think they got the advantage in that game because of their creativity, and they earned that win. I do believe Houston is much better than a lot of teams uh, and a lot of people give them credit for. I think they are a very good team, and I think this game is going to be very close. And I'm actually leaning that Houston has a very good chance of winning this for one sole reason. However, I don't believe they will. I am going to give it a 3-2 to Paris, but while we have it here, Let me just announce that there have been two major changes to the Overwatch League in terms of players. Now, Music, are you aware of these?
1: I'm aware of one of them, I'm not aware of the other. And for anybody listening that's wondering what we're talking about, the first change that I'm going to announce, I'm going to let Dylan announce the other one, is that Pip from the Paris Eternal has announced his retirement just yesterday.
0: Yes, so I do believe that will have an impact on this match. Um, I've already dropped hip in my fantasy league for Gray again, uh, just so I could have a player that will play. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so that's the the reason why I'm thinking Houston might have a decent shot here. Might have a really decent shot here. Uh, However, Paris is still a great team. Paris is still a phenomenal team, and I believe they are going to... I believe they are going to win this, but I'm going to tell you, if you are in a fantasy league, everybody, and you had Hip or you had Muffin of the Boston Uprising, you might want to drop them uh, because, because Mufin will most likely not be playing anymore due to some allegations made against him. We It's too early to say how that will turn out, but Mufin will not be playing with the Boston uh, Uprising for the foreseeable future due to things of that nature but getting back to the topic here hip retiring is a massive blow because hip was hip was a player that many people were saying was really washed coming into this season was very um just very como se dice outdated by modern overwatch league standards But they really did manage to give him uh, one last good hurrah here in the last few weeks, having great performances along with FD God uh, to really help carry the Paris uh, Eternal to some really impressive wins. I think throwing Gray in there is going to be hard to do so immediately, and I think the transition period for that might cost Paris a game or two. And it might be against the Houston Outlaws here. I am still going to go with Soon and the Paris Eternal winning 3-2 in this matchup. But it's uh, going to be very close. And I'm not going to be shocked if Houston actually does
1: win. Well, here's the thing. I know that I've been hyping up the Outlaws this matchup for... for yeah, I know that I've been hyping them up saying that they have a better DPS lineup. I'm aware that Soon is a good Widow and good Tracer player for Paris. I'm aware. That Nico is probably the better song, but in the matchups of Linker versus Zune, I think Linker will win just because Linker has the better Widow aim and the Widow flicks, and I think that Dante, I, I really do, and I think that Dante is just going to straight up outperform on Sabra as, uh, as um uh, against Nico, and even then, and even then, it's like if they don't play Linker, Blase still has a really strong Doom.
0: Yes, but you can't play all three of those heroes at once. No, you, you.
1: No, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm saying that they're most likely going to be running Blase and Dante, only putting in Linkster on those sniper-dependent, those widow-dependent maps. And if that is the case, then I do think then that's how I think Houston will be pairing.
0: You know, we can agree to disagree here, Music. Um, I do agree, though. As one of the few Houston Outlaw fans that you'll find in our social circle, um, along with you, I do have high hopes for the Houston Outlaws. I just really hope that they can find some compositions that work mid-match, because their players that are stars, like Dante, Lynxer, and Blase, are not the most flexible, as we have learned. Um... Dante is. I think Dante is the most flexible player on that team. Yeah, but mo- you have to...
1: Yeah, the most flexible play- player only being seen plays Zabra, Tracer, and May.
0: Yes. Uh, however, I think, again, this these hero bans are going to be uh, helpful for both teams. Because I don't think Paris likes playing May. I don't think Houston likes playing May. I think the, the big difference, and I'll give it as another little advantage to the Outlaws, is that the Outlaws like McCree being banned more than <laughs> Paris does. So, because Blase is terrible on on McCree.
1: Um, Sorry, Exy.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, Exe is... I think Exe is a better DPS than every DPS player pound for pound on Houston, but I don't think he's going to be enough to take that necessarily as easily as he should. Still giving it to Paris, personally. Um, This is a hotly debated matchup for us, but let's get to one that's probably less hotly debated. Uh, how hard is Philadelphia going to beat uh Washington? 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. Yeah, okay. That, that, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Philadelphia is just st- in a league of their own. Yeah. It's incredible how good they are. Paris beat them. And that's why I think Paris is a top 7 team, I think. Philadelphia is a top 7. Team. I think Houston. <sighs> I want Houston, Houston to be I want Houston to be a top 15 team, and I think they are, but <laughs> But it's hard, it really is hard. Um, speaking of though, two teams that might not be top 10 teams or even top 15 teams, uh, the main events of uh, Sunday's games, Dallas versus Valiant. That is such an interesting game to really think about.
1: I mean, I think that this is gonna go towards Dallas. I'm just not sure how much it's going, going towards. I'm thinking like 3-1. But at the same time, it really depends on what Valiant decides to, to play. Because as of right now, Valiant's main concern when it comes to the fuel are Gamsu, no even, and Prinzo and Closer, really. Uh, on top of Doha and, and Decay, like, they really have a lineup going for them. So, I don't see any way Valiant can win. They can bring it close, but I don't think they can win.
0: I, I think Valiant... I think Valiant can win. I think it's much more likely that Dallas will, though. Valiant is getting better and better and better. And I think Valiant is very much like um, the Chinese teams. Where they just need to work out these kinks before they get to play the better teams. Um, but they already are playing the better teams. So I think it's it, this game against Dallas is going to be a very important tune-up for them. I think for Dallas, this tune-up game against the Valiant is going to be very important for them. Because these teams that haven't played a lot just need to identify their style and really uh, make a name for themselves here in this current meta, in this current, well, meta-less meta, you know, where there's so many things changing, so many players changing, so many matchups changing. I'm going to give it to Dallas here, uh, 3-1, maybe, but I'm not going to say it's, this is going to be a fun matchup as well. If if the Gladiator-Dallas, or if, if the Toronto-Washington and Washington match is going to be, uh, the most entertaining for me on the first day, just for both teams being so equally matched. Uh, I think Dallas and Valiant are going to be that for me this second day of play.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening.
0: Although Houston-Paris is going to be awesome, too. I think that is going to be the match of the week, personally. Um, maybe that's just because I'm fanboying inside, but uh, I do believe those two. Uh, I do believe these games are going to be really, really fun this week.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of these games, no matter how hard one team stomps another, aka Union versus Washington. But I, if anything, I'm always a fan of good competition, so I'm always expecting like close games between these matchups, even if it does get one-sided just by what the paper says. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this weekend, and I'm also looking forward to seeing what gets played, what gets banned out for the next weekend. Because while we do like to hype up a lot of the matches this upcoming weekend, what's equally important is how what's being played in Owl is going to impact the next week. And that, I think, is going to drive up a lot of, a lot more hype.
0: Well, you know, I completely agree, and I think that's going to wrap us up here on Overwatch Now. Do you have any final statements before we uh, close the show?
1: Well, if you haven't really been on Overwatch recently, there's been a, a little bit of a uh, slight prank when it comes to the Blizzard development kind of team. So if you put up Overwatch at this point, you're going to notice that... Some of the characters, if not all of them, have googly eyes on them. So if you just need something to laugh at, just imagine your favorite character in the most bad skin that they have, and just see them with googly eyes. That should put a giggle to your face.
0: Yes, a Google, giggle, giggle, Google, giggle, Google, Google, Google giggle. Of course, <laughs> if you're going to check them. it out. Anyway. Thank you for tuning in to Overwatch Now. I am your host, Dylan the Dude. And with me is my loyal, trusted comrade in Overwatch commentary, the Music, music man. man.
1: Yep. And, and we know, will
0: see you... Yes.
1: be sure to <laughs> tune in next week for our next episode as we discuss more about some of the changes that happened in Overwatch and maybe even recap some of the OWL stuff, uh, stuff as well as competitive ladder to see how that has impacted the next week's lineup. But whatever you do... St- Whatever you do, I was don't
0: just, forget to just tune in even if you just enjoy us being stupid. Yabah Yabadoo. Anyway like that. <laughs> like that. Anyway, stay safe, stay frosty, and tune in next week for your next level experience is what I would say if we were on level <laughs> up for charity, which is where you should also find us. Both of us do charity streams six days a week over at uh, twitch.tv forward slash level up fc. Find us there if you would like, Uh, Dude Media on Twitter and uh, here on Podbean is where you will listen to us, follow us, and uh, again, Breaking the Lore and some other shows that are coming up.